In today's episode, we're talking about how sports and entertainment organizations can retain their top employees longer. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven success for them throughout their career? Then we take all those things, we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, today's episode is a little bit different. Uh, a couple unorthodox episodes that we've had here. But uh, today's is really going to be more of a reflection than a traditional interview like we normally do. Reflecting on what happened this week with one of our clients, Penn State. Now, uh, senior leaders at Penn State reached out to us and said, hey, there's this thing called the Great Resignation. Don't know if you've heard about it, but it's impacting us. And the Great Resignation, you all have probably felt it in your organization, also could be known as the Turnover Tsunami the great attrition, however you want to call it. But basically what we're all seeing and feeling is employees are leaving our organizations in record numbers. Now, the misconception is that they're just completely leaving and exiting the workforce, but that's not the reality. The reality is a lot of them are switching jobs to greener pastures. And greener pastures does not necessarily mean greener as in salary. Uh, what we've found from a lot of our studies and a lot of the studies that are out there around different industries is that employees are leaving not so much because of these transactional things, but because of a lot of the relational aspects of work. So less about compensation package and benefits and salaries, although that is a factor certainly for us in sports. Most of them are leaving more because they don't feel valued. They don't have the emotional connections uh, with people that they work with. There isn't that why their personal interests and personal development aren't aligned with the organization's growth. So we're going to talk about a lot of those things here in this conversation today. And we've got Christina Gatehouse as a guest with us. Now, Christina is the head of HR for Penn State Athletics. And with her, Katie from our team, uh, and myself, we ran a uh, retreat for the management team at Penn State Athletics earlier this week, where we really sat out to make sure everybody was level set that, hey, this is in fact happening. The numbers reflect the trends that we're seeing within our own department that people are leaving at a higher rate than before, but not necessarily because we're doing a bad job, but because of different things in the industry. The question that we want to try to solve in this retreat is how might we change the great attrition to the great attraction? How can we re-recruit and keep the employees that are here and love on them so that they don't leave? And how might we become a more attractive place to work so that we can take some of these people that are leaving other organizations it was really what we set out to achieve in the retreat. And there was a lot of great surprises and great learnings for us during this week. I've talked enough about this. Oh, one other thing before we jump in, I almost forgot to mention before the retreat happened, we did a ton of research and pre-reading as homework for all of our participants. And we put all of the links to all of the best articles that we could find over the last six months on the great resignation onto one document with a little bit of insights on each of those articles. And that document is going to be linked in the show notes for you to download. That way, if you want to go find it, you can. If you want to go find it, that document right now, you can go Google it, is engagementpartners.com backslash great resignation. Once again, that's engagementpartners.com backslash great resignation. 
If you want to go download that document, go ahead and head there. Without further ado, let's jump in. Katie and Christina, what's happening? Let's jump into this episode together. Sounds good, David. Good afternoon. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys being to on. Do it. Um, all right, so we just had a great week uh, at in State College, and we were talking about something that I think a lot of organizations are struggling with right now, and that is kind of this great resignation or great attrition. Uh, basically, if you've never heard of either of those terms, what we're talking about is turnover of staff, people switching jobs, people leaving jobs. Uh, and so we just had a management retreat this week where we talked about a lot of those things and kind of brainstormed ideas. So. Katie, Christina, that was a couple of days ago. Today's Friday. We ha- we did it on Wednesday. How are you guys feeling from that? What were some of your reflections? What have you been thinking about since we ended that session? Sure. Thank you. Uh, I think our my major takeaways is as the person that still boots on the ground here at Penn State um, is that we came out with some results and some deliverables that I feel really good about. Um we engaged our entire management team. We spent the better part of an afternoon talking about the different um, problems and concerns we have with people leaving and attracting and retaining staff. But what we left with, the deliverable that you all helped us to facilitate was um, some um, quick wins, things that we could uh, perhaps deliver and or implement within a month. Those that were mid um, mid deliverable to a year, let's say, and those that maybe required more study or were more pervasive that would be university wide things that we'd have to talk about that we didn't have as much control over that would be more long term uh, uh, solutions if if we could implement them at all. So it always feels good to leave a session like that and not drop it and go, well, that was great, but let's go back to work and forget everything we just learned and um uh not gain the trust of the management team we just spent a half a day with um with with no results no outcome that's yeah, my that's, number one yeah, i think that's always that's always a big danger but i i definitely feel like i mean again one pre- appreciate all the you know talking through it and how, how we went through it but i think for me like going into it i was a little bit i was really excited going into it when we first did this and we first came up with the idea and and scholarship team came to the three of us and said hey you know how do do we approach this um Um, i was really excited that we were going to tackle this as the week started i was a little bit nervous because i heard people being really excited about it and the emotions were kind of like are we going to do anything about this this is going to be this is like really really important to us and I've never I've seen never people so fired up about something that's not in their immediate job tasks and responsibilities because like, I, I mean, this just the employee experience aspect impacts everybody right now and it's hitting home for everybody. And that's across like everybody that we talk to is just how do we better engage our people right now? Because it's for the first time ever in sports, it's like, it's so important that we're doing that. I think that's one of the biggest things from an organizational project is when you start to look at something like employee experience, it gets so overwhelming. And when we could find a win that could be implemented by tomorrow or by early next week, and we could find a win that could be implemented by next month, like anytime you can find a win within those projects that you feel like you're tackling something and and making steps towards a better experience 
is so huge. And that's one thing that I think was so great about the way that that project all unfolded is there were so many little victories that you could find along the way that made that project not seem as daunting as it probably did at the onset. What were some things that surprised you guys in that session? Um, Well, a good surprise was, uh, just to share, we we gave people pre-work. Um, we wanted to set the stage. Um, you all and and I looked at some articles and some. I mean, you can't you can't turn your TV, radio, or uh, magazine or or Google on without finding the Great Resignation, the Turnover Tsunami. So we spent um, a good. Katie mostly spent a good deal of time looking and to some really good articles and some really good illustrations. And we sent that out a couple of days in advance and we gave them kind of snippets, which I thought was also good kind of teasers that either you could dig in or you could just read the surface and some couple handouts. And I think that really set the stage. And I think the first surprise was, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but a good surprise was people did their homework. They Um, really did. They did. When you saw saw people coming in with highlights and check marks, and I mean, they they didn't just skim the articles. I mean, they came with notes of things that they wanted to hit on what stood out to them. Like, I was really impressed with how much care they actually put into that homework. And if we were to replicate that elsewhere, I'm sorry. um, You know, I think it's really important to say, like, you need to understand what the complexion of the work environment is right now um, across every generation, every profession every industry it was it's it's probably the most pervasive thing we've seen in a long time it's not just one segment of the population one segment of the workforce industry whatever it's every and the numbers that we pulled were daunting and the turn and the number of people leaving the workforce are daunting and the complexion of how people would like to work in the future is extremely interesting from an hr perspective and all of that set the stage to make it really easy to jump into some really meaningful conversation without having to gear up for a long period of time. That was my first nice surprise. One of the, one of the things that surprised me, I mean, yes, I, I want to hook into the doing homework. I mean, there there was one guy that had, re, I'm not going to say his name here. I, I know he listens to the show, so shout out. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, he he actually like kind of restructured how he would do his department, if you will, uh, because he said, okay, if we've got a blank canvas and we're really focused on how do we engage employees the best and remove friction from them, here's not only just like, oh, we want to reward them and recognize them better. Here's how it would restructure things. Um, And so I was really, really pleased. And he like drew it out on, it it wasn't just on a back of a napkin. He did it in like a computer programming thing. And so I I don't know, I, I was really impressed with how people took it really seriously. And it showed to me that this was an important that the team was all really ex- excited about and cared a lot about. Um, what one other? Oh, well, I was going to say one other thing. Unless Katie, you were going to hook into that. No, I I think from that standpoint, just the amount of that they did put into it of like really thinking about it and looking ahead to the the going to do and coming with with solutions too. Like they came prepared to really dive into everything that we wanted to talk about. That surprised either of you? Like anything in the data or the research? Probably an unfair question for those of us on this talk right now, because we've been monitoring it and we've been seeing it and we've had some, some insight into it. I think, um, 
I th- I think the sheer numbers, you know, the millions and millions mm-hmm. of people and the fact that it's it's not slowing down. If anything, it's on a steady um or an uptick a little bit of people yeah. leaving the workplace or changing their careers. So that was probably my I it put it out in front of me. And I do love you presented a you both presented a really good illustration of the difference between where the workforce's head is and where the employer's heads are and the disconnect of some of the things. I mean, that was the most powerful illustrate I'm I'm about visual and it was really a visual like in your face. We'll we'll link to the article with that chart. I think I know the one you're talking about and if either of you guys want to expand on it, but basically there was a chart that said reasons why employees say they're leaving and reasons why employers think they're leaving. And the employers think that they're leaving because largely transactional things salary, compensation, and benefit packages, whereas in reality, people are leaving for more of those relational issues of, I don't feel valued by my leaders, I don't have strong emotional ties to other humans at, at, in the workplace. Um, so I, I thought that was a really interesting thing, and I think that, you're right, Christina, showing that chart kind of broke everybody out of the, well, we just need to pay them more. Right, which I think it tends to be everybody's first reaction, especially in sports where we're drastically historically underpaid. Um, I think that's everybody's first reaction. We can solve this with salary increases. And people saw that data and said, okay, well, let's start thinking about other things that we actually can control as leaders in the organization. And I don't know if this is because of the tone that we kind of said did address the fact that like we know salaries are an issue, but we couldn't completely solve for that in this session. That was one of my biggest takeaways was how many low cost, no cost solutions we were able to come up with. I mean, something as simple as can there be a department wide policy for email etiquette so that when somebody is off, they're actually so that, you know, when people are sending emails, you don't feel like you have to respond to an email at nine o'clock at night just because somebody else chose those hours. You know, it's like those factors that are leading to the the burnout that was kind of one of the trends that was leading to the great resignation. How many of those things can be fixed by a complete no cost solution? It's just how do we respect each other's time? I, one, one of the things that surprised me as we look back at that was when, when we actually peeled back the data to see, okay, how, does, how do these trends actually show up for us? And that our employment numbers actually reflected some of the larger trends where, you know, in 2018, we had one number or 2019, we had one number. And then in 2020, we had way less people leaving the organization. And now we've had more in, in this year than what we had in those previous two years. Um, and so it's just, it was interesting to see like, okay, when we actually look into our data, it's reflected. And so the people that the, the way that people are feeling in the organization is not just anecdotal and it's not just a feeling like we have data to kind of back that up and now we can go make action on it. Um, what were, what were some of the other things that, oh, go ahead, Christina. No, I was just going to say, I think the other outcome that I'm hearing as I walk through the hallways and have run into people in the last two days since our retreat um, is the need to get our management team, and this is cliche, but more empowered, um, to really talk about, you know, there were some discussions around 
the number of hours people put in, the expectation of people being in the office, the expectation of, you know, they work all weekend because they, you know, are attached to events that happen on a, um, every weekend in sports, pretty much at a university our size. So, you know, um, to be able to be a little bit more flexible and to be a little bit more, more uh, own their team's needs. And, you know, you guys are sick of me saying this, but fair is not always equal. And, you know, if Stratcom works all weekend and we don't see them on Monday morning at 8 a.m., like, it's okay. And, you know, they need to work around their work. It's not, it should be results, not hours. It should be flexibility, but not without, with flexibility without losing quality and um, meeting expectations. You know, that's just been one of my lifelong things is quantity doesn't equal excellence quality and results do and we talked a lot about that on Wednesday and that's another early win not to say that they haven't been flexible and not to say that we haven't been as as um uh supportive of our employee population as we can be but I think there was a little bit more communication flow around like that needs to be looked at discussed addressed and 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 celebrated in our world a little bit more on that note too it was interesting for me and again if if you're listening to this it, it, i would venture to say this exists in your organization of almost memorializing or making official unwritten rules that already existed so like things like casual wear or the flexibility right you probably already have some of what christina is just explaining but has there been an official announcement from a leader saying like this, this is okay. Right. And cause I think a lot of people are cautious in your organization about doing things or in, in other organizations. Right. I would venture to say that unless there's been an official thing saying as a leader, your leadership team supports this type of behavior, whatever that behavior is, you're kind of cautious to do it. Even if there is that unwritten rule, that says it's okay. So it was interesting to me how, how much of the conversation was just like, let's just make this official that we can do this and that'll be a big win. And I'm like, that doesn't cost us anything. Let's get that in place. You feel like you're rebelling, yeah. but you're not. Yeah. Um, now you make a great point. Sometimes it just needs to be said, talked about and owned. And once it's owned in kind of that, you know, moment, I, you're right. We have, I think been doing a lot of what we talked about and I'm sure every organization is, but, you know, let's have those frank and transparent discussions and and also acknowledge that it's not always going to, you know, we can't, though you've walked in other people's shoes, it's not always going to look, you know, we can't, we can't make everything equal. We just, we just don't do the same things. One of the really interesting ones that I, I think, again, anybody listening to this would do well to take away from is the reasons that senior leaders can sometimes tend to think or employers can tend to think that their people are leaving is not always the actual reason. And so that was a stress throughout the session of how can we more intentionally listen to our frontline people, the people that are transitioning, the middle managers. I mean, that session in and of itself was very much senior leadership said, y'all come together and, and we're going to actually facilitate a session where you give us your ideas. What are the hassles to you? What are, how would you change things to make more, uh, make things more efficient? And so I would just say to anybody listening, like that is a huge piece of how can you more intentionally listen to your middle managers or your frontline people to actually figure out what's bothering them and why they're leaving and what they're running to. 
because I think your things will the your policies that you'll enact will be just blind guesses or assumptions otherwise if you're not doing that. Yeah. One of the comments I remember was just ask the boots on the ground how this is actually going to play out. You think you can think through every single scenario. You think you've thought it through and consider people's perspectives, but somebody's going to think of one tiny detail of why it's why it could not work or why it could work better or how one little change can make a difference. And you're not going to get that without having the perspective of the people who actually implement yeah, it. Yeah, and I think we heard from one of our leaders that you need to do a more um, concerted effort in talent conversations, not performance conversations alone, and even separate those if we can. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we all know it. And, uh, you know, I'm an HR person at heart. Any conversations with employees, goal-setting results, Whatever, but that's really, you know, we have to show the caring and the non-transactional things. And then we need to find ways to make it happen. Everyone wants growth and development opportunities, or rarely do we find somebody who doesn't, let me put it that way. Everybody wants the ability to, you know, learn and, and expand their knowledge base. And I really like the way our one leader said, you know, we need to have a more conscious regular cadence on discussing that. And then we need to find ways to make some of those growth and development opportunities have happen. And, you know, pandemic changed the way that looks too, to some degree. You know, it used to be, let's go to this conference or that conference. There's a lot more out there now that people can access in other ways. You know, Zoom, we have a really robust learning network here. And, you know, probably opportunities to do some things internally with some of our subject matter experts to make it again another great experience and to to retain some of our folks that may be looking for development. Yeah, the the talent conversation was a, a really nuanced, interesting conversation because especially in sports and if you're at if you're working at a team that's like a uh an ideal type like top level, this is destination job, if you will. At a certain point in the organization, like there's only so much that you can move up, right? And, and so those conversations need to be transparent with the frontline staff, your middle managers uh, around. And we talked a lot about talent planning. How long should somebody last in that type of role before we're encouraging them to go find a you know a home elsewhere and and with a great taste in their mouth of the organization, as opposed to staying in a job too long, getting disgruntled, and now spreading not great things about the organization just because they stayed too long and because it wasn't clearly articulated that, hey, this is probably more of a, a two-year or five-year timeline as opposed to a 10-year timeline. You're going to get frustrated if you haven't get promoted after 10 years in that role. Anyway, um, but I do think... Other- and then even if it's not promoted, it's just working on something different. I mean, who wants it? Not many people, even if they're not looking for growth, they're still looking for something different every once in a while. You know, you want to work on a different project, even if it's not trying to get you to a different tier in the organization. You still want to come in and do the exact same job that you were doing 10 years ago. I I even think about Katie. I mean, that's part of why you left your old role, right? Yeah. Exactly. One of the things we talk about all the time is the Rickism of do you have five years experience or do you have one year's experience five times? You want to just work on something different. You want to be challenged by something different. It's something that gets you out of bed in the morning that is different from the previous I mean, day. We always think about it as, as, at, at Disney, and that has really carried over here to me and my role here at Engagement is 
a good leader in an organization is constantly trying to take it your team and align personal goals with organizational goals. If you can constantly align your team's personal goals with the organization's goals and kind of massage those back and forth and find that area. If you think about it as a Venn diagram, if you constantly have that sweet spot in the middle working, your people are going to stay with you and they're going to love it. But it's hard as hell to do if you don't know what your people's personal goals are. If you just are focused on the organizational goals. I'm not sure everybody knows what their goals are. So we also have an obligation as an employer to help them seek out and to be knowledgeable about what is out there. You know, it's like the guidance counselor role in the employment world almost, you know. Um, if you don't know yeah. what a teacher does or a nurse does or whatever, if you don't know what a, a stratcom person in an athletic department does, what's out there to be able to, you know, a, achieve, attain, or or strive for, right? So we also have to be that per, that person too, we the managers. 100%. Well, as we, we kind of bring it us bring us here to a close, just a little bit of reflections on this week. Any other things that stood out to you both or pieces of advice that you would give to any of our listeners around this topic right now? My fleeting thoughts were, we're always going to have monetary and budget constraints to be good stewards to our fans and our athletes and all of the whys. So my thought is, that as we look at what is evolving in the workforce and what people are striving to do, more part-time work, piecing together their career versus the traditional career, um, uh, new and exciting opportunities and results-oriented versus hours in the seat. I think we will lose our opportunity here in the next couple of years if we aren't going to be evolving and as our leader said at the beginning of our retreat, looking around the corner with, you know, our, our hopefully our ability to see what's coming next and being agile enough and fluid enough to do it now. That's Huge. how I left is like, we have got to think differently. It's not traditional. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll hook onto that as well, Christina. The reality is things take longer in college athletics oftentimes in the university setting. So if we're not looking at this stuff right now, I mean, we're by the time we actually decide it's time to make change and by the time that change gets done, it's going to be too late. The damage will have already been done. So that's a great point, Christina. Katie, what about you? I, I think it goes back to if you want individuals to be involved in the actual answer involve them in the process to find the solution they're going to be more invested if they are bought in and towards the end they sat there and said the leadership team couldn't have come up with all of those ideas and how many of them were low cost no cost that were able to could potentially make a huge difference in the organization i mean i think back to the the lee cockrell podcast that we did where they had to make a multi-million dollar budget cut and everybody from the bartenders were coming up with options of how they could save money but that felt so much more invested in the process just because they were asked. Uh, and I think the success of this project can be because of the fact that people were asked as long as they just still stay involved in the process and are part of getting it to the finish line. Yeah, I think you're going to lose if you try to come up with all the solutions in an ivory tower without getting your boots on the ground and, and hearing what's actually going on. You're going to make assumptions and you're going to spend time and money and resources in solutions that don't really have the impact that you're really looking to drive. So that's a great point. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think for me the maybe maybe the biggest standout just reflection is how and we said this already, so I won't belabor the point, but how passionate everybody was about this topic. I, I don't think I've ever seen I mean, again, we, we work on a lot of things, customer experience, customer service, leadership development. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a topic that has been so universally passionate across the workforce than what I'm seeing right now in different organizations around this. And so that should just tell you that this should be a high priority because it's important to everyone. Um, so I, I think that's that's part of the biggest chain or biggest things I, I left with. But yeah, anyway, uh, it's a good place to wrap us. If uh, if you are interested in some of the pre-work, if you're listening to this and you're interested in the pre-work that we did, uh, Katie and I are putting together uh, kind of a a non-customized version for Christina and her team, uh, a blanket version for you guys on some of the research and whatnot that we did in preparation for this session. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes and you can go ahead and download that and share it with your team. So um, yeah, without further ado, Katie, Christina, anything else before we close us? Thank you. Thank you both for, me. for this experience that we started working on right before Christmas. It was a quick call to David and we ran with it. And I'm pleased that, that we are where we are. And I hope others listening take advantage of the materials and the, the uh, uh, information that you're sharing with them today. Sounds good. Uh, Christina, Katie, where can people reach you guys if they have questions? They can email me at katie at engagementpartners.com or Twitter is katie underscore Rudy. You guys have the weirdest emails. <laughs> anyway, we'll end on that note. Uh, yeah. We'll see you guys later. Thank you for coming on. And if you listened, thanks so much. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, Visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.